Mike Sider dead. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Ryan Pike on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we are underway. It is Thursday, May 11th. Welcome to the Scotiabank Saddledome and welcome to this hour of Flames Talk. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, we're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. When you're here at the Dome, you see Shane. Shane gives you bananas, and uh, then you're really happy. And I'm not kidding. Pike can vouch for it. Yeah. Uh, Shane in food services just came in and dropped off for bananas. Uh, so now Pike will be potassium rich for the rest of the hour. How are we doing? Welcome uh, welcome to the week. Yeah, uh, much much like a, a professional. I start my week on a Thursday. First first. Flames talk show of the week. Your your we're, day job. We're, we're gonna that really pays the we're, bills. We're gonna tr- on Monday. We're gonna try to get in a week's worth of content over the next couple days. Oof. Setting the bar high. <laughs> hasn't been a whole lot. <laughs> hasn't been a whole lot of content given to us on a plate. Well, I will say this: uh, we did get some potential news on Thursday morning as the Flames continue their general manager search and as they continue to search for Brad Treliving's replacement. Uh, Brad Treliving's name popped up on Thursday morning when our NHL insider Frank Saravalli tweeted this. I'll just read Frank's tweet verbatim. Why hasn't Brad Treliving's name popped up for front office job openings? Teams are interested. Sources say early indication is Flames do not plan to permit Treliving to interview for vacancies until after his contract expires on June 30th. We'll see if that changes. End quote. That was Frank Saravalli on Twitter on Thursday. A few minutes later, he joined the boys on the big show. Uh, this is part of the Hour 2 podcast on Thursday with George and Maddie on the big show and expect a little bit on that tweet that he put out a few minutes prior it's definitely a surprise I mean I can't think of another comparable example where someone has essentially parted ways with a team and I believe if I'm not mistaken the Flames release itself said mutually agreed to part ways so usually when there's a quote mutual parting of the ways and you have someone that's going to be a free agent anyway on July 1, why would you want to get in the way of that person then taking their next job? Mm. And the only reason you want to do that is because you're petty, because you are upset that he left. But these jobs move fast, and if you're not in the mix, they go to someone else. So Mm. it, it just, it strikes me as the wrong way to do business and the wrong message to send contractually are the flames allowed to of course they're pay- they've paid brad true living a lot of money over the last nine years to to be their general manager but he doesn't work for them anymore he doesn't go into the office anymore he's not coming back on july 1. it, it just seems odd to me that you'd play this out this way 
So that was Frank Saravalli on the big show with the boys. A little bit more on the tweet that he popped out on Thursday morning. So if this is indeed the case and the Flames are blocking Brad Living from interviewing elsewhere, I mean, really, there's only one open job right now, and that's Pittsburgh. I've got, I've got a few different ways to look at it um, and a few different questions to ask you, Mr. Pike. Already uh, a few texts coming in at 960-960. We'd love, uh, if you're listening live, would love your your thoughts on it um if you're with us on sportsnet 960 of course we're also available wherever you get your podcasts is this a good look for the flames because i i do understand protecting interests i do um but i'm not sure that this is necessarily the best look if this is indeed true mainly because it it is kind of throwing up a roadblock um at the most important time for some of these discussions to be had uh and with trees contract not officially expiring until the end of june uh it it kind of prevents him from jumping right back into hockey so i don't know like i i do get get protecting interests and i do understand that you want to make sure that you're doing the best for your organization and and you know taking care of your front yard before you worry about anybody else's but it i I don't think it's necessarily the best look if this is indeed true because if brad wants to work and and the flames are standing in his way. I, I don't know. It just whether whether you can understand the reasoning or not. I understand why from the outside it, it does not look like the uh, the best look for the flames. Yeah, and I mean like letter of the law. I mean you know contracts are contracts, but at the same time, hockey's a really small world, and you know, we've seen recent examples even with just the flames. I mean. With uh, Derek Clancy, who was one of the pro scouts, uh, was granted permission to interview in Vancouver for an assistant GM spot. He got hired there. Uh, there's been a few other instances that uh, Flames managed to hire away, uh, you know, at, at the time, Boston assistant coach uh, Je- Jeff Ward for a promotion. So the, generally speaking, the gentleman's agreement is if it's for a job that's a higher threshold, higher pay, higher whatever, a, a promotion – then your team, generally speaking, will let you have that conversation. Case in point, you know, uh, you know, Craig Conroy has interviewed in the past for, a, you know, I believe he, he interviewed GM Buffalo. In Buffalo yeah. yeah, he interviewed there. I believe Ryan Huska, assistant coach, uh, interviewed with Detroit when they had their opening. So it's it's super, super common. It's a unique situation where, you know, the guy in the tippity-top job who maybe have state secrets, so to speak, uh, Maybe you don't want it to him to walk across the aisle the state secrets, but I mean, there are ways. I mean, you can when you give someone written permission to negotiate, you can just put something in writing saying, "All right, but if you get the job, you can't sit at the draft table or things like that." Like right. there's been all kinds of ways, and I think you know the 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 gentleman's agreement, so to speak, has generally been good for you know all the teams because it allows that talent to keep flowing and allows people who are good to work their way up to better positions. And it makes, it makes hockey operations more competitive and more lucrative for the people involved in it. And, you know, if this is the case, uh, it's, it's not a great look. Now, take the optics away for, from it for a second. And I'll read some text because I, I do think that there are some different takes on things here. Um, but I also wonder about this because, take, again, take the optics out of it. Take what the, the report from Frank or, or Frank's opinion that we just played out of it for a second. Does this not 
kind of shoot yourself in the foot if you're the Flames. So, and I say that because Brad Treliving's not coming back. There's not going to be a remarriage here. Uh, just because Daryl Sutter was fired two weeks later, Tree's not coming back. Uh, it was time for... It, do I think Daryl Sutter played a large part in why Brad Tree Living left? Yes. Do I think it was the only reason? No. So Brad decided to leave. Fresh start for him. Fresh start for the Flames. Here we are. But if you're going to prevent, and there's only one open GM job outside of Calgary, and that's the Pittsburgh Penguins, if you're going to prevent Tree from interviewing with the Penguins, are you not then putting yourself in a spot where – now you're competing with Pittsburgh for the same group of external candidates. If you're going internal, then I guess it, it, it's not as much of a factor. But if you're going to hire externally yeah. and, and you're looking at Tulski and Peverly and Pridham and any of the other names that have popped up, well, now you're competing with Pittsburgh and you're saying, well, potentially a guy. Frank says there's interest. Uh, immediately, we believed as soon as Tree stepped away that the Penguins could be a spot for him. So if they're interested and the Flames are saying, no, well, now <laughs> you're kind of uh, cutting off your foot to spite your nose or whatever the stupid saying is. I know I, got, I, know I butchered it. Don't tell me how poorly I butchered it. I believe it's called it. the spider face. Yes. Um, you know what I mean, though. Uh I just I, I wonder if you're doing yourself a disservice in your next GM search by not allowing Tree to interview if this report is indeed uh, is is indeed what's happening. Yeah, and that's not questioning Frank at all. By the way, there's a small pool of really elite candidates, and you know it's tough to it's tough to get them. And the easiest way to get them is by not having to compete for them. So I mean the the. I, I agree with you. It's, you know, hope, hopefully this isn't the case. Maybe it's some sort of a miscommunication. But, you know, based on, you know, Frank's track record, I have no reason to, to doubt his intel. And if it's true, it sort of is, I don't know, makes me, it makes me shrug and go, hmm, seems like a, an, odd, uh, an odd strategy. I get it, but it seems odd. Now, again, um, there's a, a lot of, different texts at 960-960, and I'll, uh, I'll read some of them to you right now as we dive in on this conversation because I, it is not, you know, Frank's opinion there that he just threw out uh, is, is not universally held at 960-960 uh, by those who are listening live with us right now. Um, this says, regarding Tree, it's about time the Flames took off the good guy hat and turned into a less passive organization. Um, oh, fair enough. This reads, um, I don't know who wrote this, but uh, it was it's a well-written text. Uh, I heard Saravali talking about Tree not being released. Considering he's not re-signing, regardless of the reason and he wasn't fired, uh, it makes sense for the Flames to prevent him from talking to other teams. Moving into what should be a big summer with a new GM having another team in a similar draft situation and potential free agent scenario hiring tree makes zero sense for the flames he would take all his intel and use it to better another team allowing tree to move on would be unfair to the next gm post july 1st he's free to do what he wants but why shoot yourself in the foot if you don't have to uh there are way more gm options pittsburgh drafts before the flames and have similar need needs come free agency uh, dan and cochran writes 
Brad could have draft intel and the Pens pick right before Calgary. Uh, this reads, always two sides and all the praise that is constantly piled on Brad may cloud views. It was time to move on. Let him go. So many tired of the mediocrity but don't want to do any major changes. This reads, uh, the Flames are being petty. Um, this says uh, Pittsburgh's picking before Calgary. Uh, True Living knows the, their scouting report. Jeffrey says the Flames are being petty. It says to me the entire organization has issues beyond coaching and players. The Flames seem to need leadership in the worst way to make the team competitive. Uh, this reads, they parted ways mutually. If true, it's not about protecting secrets. It's subtle retribution for Tree choosing to leave. Uh, Ryan writes, Tree arguably saddled the Flames with the worst contract in team history and then left. The team owes him nothing. This reads, Murray doing Murray things. We need a billboard already. Uh, Mick writes, you wouldn't want Pittsburgh drafting somebody Calgary wants just ahead of Calgary because Tree's their GM. Uh, Craig in Calgary writes, I thought he was stepping away as GM to take a break from hockey. If that's the case, why does this matter if he's released before June 30th? And finally, from Matt and Sylvan, what message does this send to the new GM? So I would say very mixed responses on the text line, Pike, about the way that uh, this report has come out and the reaction to Saravalli's report on this. Look, I, I do think optically it's not the best look. Um but I do think the point about protecting your interests, I, I get it. I just am always of the opinion that let people work. And so that's where I am on this one. Um, I, I get the draft intel. I get the fact that Pittsburgh's right ahead of you. I get all of that. But as, the, as Matt and Sylvan said... Well, you hire a new GM, he's going to come in, and, and I know there's not going to be a lot of time, but he's going to have a completely different take on the draft than what Brad Living would have had if he was the general manager of this team still. So while I understand the argument, and I think it is a fair argument, I still subscribe to let guys work, let guys and, get their next job. And, like, and, and, and just we, before you go oh, on, go the by not allowing him to talk until June 30th, you probably do significantly hamper the guy in trying to get a new job in the NHL, at least as a general manager, immediately. It probably, it, it probably does end up being a pretty significant roadblock. I mean, if we're, let's be honest here, though. There's no secrets in scouting. Everyone, you know, the scouting community throughout the NHL kind of knows what the Flames value. And so even if you don't have somebody, you know, that you're, you, even if you're not interviewing for a living and kneeling him for, for draft information, I don't think there's any big secrets in terms of what the Flames will be trying to do with the draft. So, you know, in, uh, the, the state secret part of it, it's like, okay, well, what's the, the state secrets are their cap situation, which is semi-publicly available thanks to Cap Friendly and Puckpedia, their draft history and preferences, publicly available, and it's pretty easy to suss out their preferences and what their tendencies are. So, I mean... You know, and they, they t the, their scouts regularly talk to folks like you and I and explain in great detail their 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 philosophies in a lot of ways. Like they might not give us their list for the draft from year to year, but you can usually kind of suss out the kind of things they value and the types of players they'd want and organizational needs. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a weird situation, man. It is. It, it really is. And again, I mean, maybe maybe this changes. Maybe uh, Frank throwing that out there puts some pressure on the org and, and they change tune. Um, I don't know. I, I here's, here's what I know. 
I know when Tree decided to walk away that both sides were upset. And they were upset because the Flames wanted him to stay. They believed that they had a contract on the table, and they believed that contract was fair. My belief is that Tree wanted to stay, but the contract was on that was on the table was not enough to get him to stay on top of the fact that at the time Daryl Sutter remained as the head coach and that also uh, provided a, a significant roadblock in the discussions. But I think deep down, both sides wanted to continue the relationship. As Elliot Friedman said on that April Monday when he joined us, um, Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman said, yeah, my belief is both sides wanted to continue the relationship, and when that happens, nine times out of ten, the relationship continues. This is the one time. And so I do think that Brad was upset that the Flames didn't you know, take their step to the middle, and I think the Flames were upset that Brad didn't take his step to the, to the middle. So there, there could still be some hard feelings on both sides, and, and maybe that's why there might be a little bit more hesitance for the Flames to allow that to happen because maybe they're, maybe it's, it's a little bit of bad blood or maybe it's them worried that, that Brad, and I don't think Brad, I honestly don't think Brad would ever do this, but, you know, that, that Brad goes out of the, his way to spite the Flames on the way out. When it comes down to it, I think for both sides, though, the best option is just let the guy work. That, that, that would be my take on it, and I understand all the state secret stuff, and I understand that there's really nothing owed, and, and, and technically the Flames aren't doing anything wrong in this regard. They really aren't. They're just following letter of the law. But, yeah, you, you use the term gentleman's agreement. I, I, would, I, I subscribe to let the guy work. Yeah, and, you know, the, the longer you're around the hockey world, like, you know, you and I probably experienced this too, Pat. People pay attention that you wouldn't expect to be paying attention. Hockey is an incredibly small world. You know, there are a few hundred people competing for a few dozen jobs, and everyone pays attention to how people are treated, and everybody talks. And, you know, so hopefully cooler heads will prevail if they haven't, because, you know, it's uh, li- life's too short to, uh, to let uh, bygones be bygones, right? Again, it's easy for us to talk because we don't have any skin in the game. We so. really don't. We we truly, truly do not. Um, although I'm I'm a big fan of the man. I, I think Brad. I, I want Brad. If Brad wants to work, I hope he works again whenever he's ready to work. And so, if he wants to work now, I I hope that he gets that opportunity. And I want the Flames to. I want the Flames to do well. I want them to make the right hire. I think I I, I think I've been pretty clear as to who I think the right hire is. But I I want them to make the right hire. I want them to get the right guy and I want them to um, you know take some steps forward as well and and with a clean slate really build on that read you a few more texts at 960 960 uh, this says maybe they're trying to uh, buy some time to negotiate a reunion I don't think a reunion is coming it just it doesn't feel that way um, this says I'm sorry you're looking at this all wrong if there are teams who don't want to make a decision until they until after they interviewed Tree, you're making it where the Flames can offer a potential GM a new position before other teams. This could benefit the Flames. Um, this says, Tre Living still under contract and was paid for that contract. Not letting him find a new job. This is no different than how it would be handled with any other company. Uh, this reads... Um, Pat, I get not letting it go for now. Tree's a draw for all the UFA, RFA players that loved him. 
this reads, Tree left on his own terms before his contract was up. This is a business, so there's nothing wrong with Calgary holding him to his obligations and not letting other teams talk to him. Uh, this says... What Pittsburgh needs may be totally different than what Calgary needs. Let him go. Nick in Calgary writes, Flames should not be allowed to hire a GM until Tree's contract is up then. You can't have two GMs under contract. Uh, This says, Brad's got a lot of info regarding the draft and other things. Why would the Flames allow him to share that in a new organization? If Brad was that interested in having the freedom to go to another job, could he have not resigned on the spot instead of continuing to receive his salary until the end of of term, which is he did not do this reads why does everyone have brad uh, in pittsburgh written in permanent marker i'm not suggesting that we do they might go in a completely different direction even if the flames gave true living the opportunity to, to speak with pittsburgh um Vincent Medicine Hat, it's a super bad look. If I was a GM looking at the Flames, it would be a major red flag for an organization to do that. Uh, Madden Cochran says, my opinion of the Flames blocking Tre Living, I'll allow it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well played. Chris in Calgary, who's to say Tree hasn't already talked to Pittsburgh and will just wait until July 1st to take the, der- take the job there? Is that a possibility? Pike. That would, off the that would record, be off the record conversations never happen. That would be tampering. No, the Flames have not touched base with a single agent of a player entering the final year of a contract. Well, no, let not me, at let's, all. Let's, tampering let's, does not happen in this. Well, league. I mean, the, the letter of the law is that you're not allowed to talk to anyone under contract uh, without permission, including players. And so you can't say, I can't say to Pat if he's an agent, "Hey, Pat." Uh, this player you have, uh, Michael Stone, here's a contract offer yeah. because he's under contract. But if I said, hey, Pat, uh, hypothetically, would you have any right shot uh, clients from the Winnipeg area who play a certain role who'd be willing to potentially join my organization if they became available in the near future? You can talk in hypotheticals because hypotheticals ain't tampering apparently, but when you talk in here's a contract offer with his name on it, that would be tampering. Yeah which is a very strange, strange distinction. Um, Curious to see how this plays itself out. Uh, Just a quick thought on the Oilers and Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, An absolute war of a hockey game on Wednesday. One by the the, the series itself has been that, and and it got really nasty en route to Edmonton tying the series and turning this into a best of three at 2-2. We don't, as of this conversation, uh, if you're listening on podcast, as, as Pike and I are talking right now, we do not have uh, an idea as to what's going to happen with Alex Petrangelo and what the Department of Player Safety is going to do there. I think that there should be a suspension, no doubt about it. Um, That was a pretty idiotic decision, and I think that a player that important to the Vegas Golden Knights needs to have a better head on his shoulders uh, at at that time of a hockey game. I I thought that was beyond idiotic. It was so, um, as, as Jay Woodcroft called it, that's not a hockey play. Uh, I just, I thought that it was really stupid of Petrangelo to do that, and I think it, it. I think there should be a suspension. I think there will be a suspension, and I just feel like you, you hurt your team by doing that. It's one of the most important players on that team. They already are in dire straits with their goaltending situation, and it was mediocre AF on <laughs> on Wednesday night. Like. I just thought it was a really stupid thing for Petrangelo to do. 
yeah, it's especially, you know, you know, emotions run high in those kind of game situations. But I mean, you know, that's we, we you know, Darnell Nurse gonna, is going to be sitting for a game because of the uh, the mandatory uh, one game suspension for instigators in the last five minutes of a game. They put in that rule because this will sound very mean. And I apologize for all the professionals listening here. But players do dumb things in emotional moments at the wrong side of a one way game. And so, like, heck, we, we saw that uh, in 2015 where, remember that one game the, the, between the Flames and the Canucks where it was a one-sided game? The game became a yard sale. And, it, you know, it included Derek England fighting multiple players at a time. Yeah, game, that, they, game two. They put in those rules to protect players from themselves and protect players from each other. And, you know, it's I, I, I'm very curious what he ends up getting because, you know, the, there's been a lot of criticism of player safety during the playoffs so far due to perceived inconsistencies. I agree with those perceived George inconsistencies. George Peros has not been a uh, fan favorite this spring. Oh, goodness. And usually, you know, it's usually not great, but it's usually if you tilt your head in the right direction, you can go, okay, I can kind of see where they're coming from. This has been a, just a bad year, I think, so far. First two rounds bad year for the Department of Player Safety, but if you're trying to make sure that the next two and a half rounds don't become clown shows, this is the way. The, you know, you can erase uh, a r- couple rounds of sort of uneven uh, jurisprudence with a pretty well-regarded uh, uh, judgment here, but you gotta, you gotta figure out a way to get it right and then to be very clear about why you went the way you went, so... Pressure's on, George. And for somebody who really wants the Oilers to lose this series, I was not a big – because as soon as you saw it, you're like, look, there are playoff things that happen. There are the extra cross-checks. There's the targeting. There's the boarding that that would be called in the regular season or the charging that would be called in the regular season. You want to mention that series against Vancouver in 2015. (laughs) I don't think any one of those hits from Michael Furlan that had this place rocking was truly within the rules, and yet they were let go because the the standard changes – in the playoffs, um, you know, I don't really have as much of a problem as other fans do about nurses' one-game suspension being upheld, but the the Petrangelo one was just so idiotic, and he probably deserves more than a game. We'll see what the Department of Player Safety ends up doing. Pat and Pike along with you. We're underway this hour of Flames Talk from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge at the Saddle Dome. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This hour continues from the Scotiabank Saddledome as the general manager search continues for the Flames. And wanted to get some uh, interesting perspective on where the Flames are right now, the search for a general manager, some of the intricacies behind it, and a whole lot more. It's time to welcome in uh, former general manager of the Calgary Flames and uh, just one of the all-round good humans in hockey. Let's say hello to former Flames GM Al Coates on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Al, appreciate the time on this Thursday. How are we doing today? We are 
<clears throat> excuse me, doing exceptionally well. I'm in, down in Ontario. My I have a wonderful sister here and family, and um, they sent me an e- email with a project list on it. <laughs> so I, so I, I come down. Uh, I come down to, to try to help out a little bit. So it's been it's been great to see everybody and and help out a little bit. Well, and I'm really appreciate, uh, or we really appreciate uh, taking some time. You taking some time to join us on the program today. Um, I'm just curious, you know, from afar, having having been a part of this organization for as long as you were, and now seeing them searching for a new general manager, searching for a new head coach. I'm just curious, Al, what your thoughts are on uh, where the Flames find themselves right now. Well, I think they actually find them ex- themselves in a very exciting place. Uh, I think Brad was did a terrific job. Uh, Daryl Sutter is a winner through and through as a coach. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but the page clearly has turned, and, and it's time to, to move on and move on to, uh, uh, I guess, a new era. I've known Don Maloney, the, the now president of hockey operations, for years and years and years, probably 30 years. And I actually worked with him, and I can tell you, honestly, he, he's a terrific uh, hockey man, a true professional, works his tail off, uh, is, is great in the planning stages. And I think, I think seriously, I really believe this, that along with John Bean, I mean, they'll establish criteria of what they, what they want in a new person. And it wouldn't surprise me if they, uh, if they interview a lot of people. That would be smart, in my opinion. And there's, clearly, there's no shortage of candidates, both um, both internally and uh, externally. When you think about it, we we forget sometimes that there's only 32 of these jobs in the world, in the best league in the world, the best sport in the in the world, as as we see. And uh, so it's a highly sought after position, especially when you have a an established team like Calgary has a great city, great fan base. And uh, hopefully, in the very near future, a brand new, beautiful uh, facility to play out of. So, I got I got a lot of time and a lot of confidence in in what Don will do in conjunction with John uh, reporting into the ownership, of course. And I think, quite frankly, just not to get into it because it's not it's not my job or my role. But I mean, uh, I mean, first things first is is uh, you need you, you, they're going to try to find some continuity. Uh, in their in their structure, and uh, they know all about that. And uh, I'm really anxious to see um, what evolves out of it. Well, Al, I, I wonder if you could take us back to November '95 when you took over as general manager. Now, it was, a, it was a slightly different situation, of course, because that was in season. This this came after a season and and in the off season. But you know, you were with the organization already, and you took over in November '95 as general manager. So, can you take us through that process and and how things came about when you got the gig back? Uh, quite some time ago now well i don't i don't know whether you remember or not or knew even knew or not but like i was the first person hired there in 1980 so yes. july 1st 1980 and then there was a number of positions but fast forward through our 86 finals and 89 cup year or whatever uh cliff fletcher as we know moved on to uh on to toronto uh there were new people in place and um I was named uh, by the ownership as executive vice president uh, of the franchise. There, we were, we were in a period of time where there wasn't a president, so 
essentially uh, the Saddledome people and the hockey people, we, we were, the reporting structure was for the most part directly to me. And there was a change made <clears throat> with the general manager that left me as the interim general manager mm-hmm. at the particular time that you're speaking of. And so uh, I, I took over whenever it was. I don't know exactly the date in November or whatever, uh, uh, overseeing both. And um, and then a couple months later, we made the deal with, uh, you know, with uh, Nui going to Dallas and Jerome yeah. coming, to, coming to Calgary and so on and so forth. And that was really the start of it um, for, for me in that particular role. So... I'd had a lot of experience, quite frankly, and I knew the organization inside out and loved the city. It was a great opportunity uh, for, for for me and my family uh, to do this. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, anyways, we, uh, under the circumstances, I guess, of a, of a very weak Canadian dollar and, and lots of other things going on in the league, and certainly long before the salary cap. Yes. I mean, the salary cap didn't come in until the 0405 season. And so this was back in 95. So we had, or I did at least, had five years of, you know, where where the discrepancy in, and what teams were, payrolls were in the league was, was monumental, quite frankly. So Evan was in the same boat. Most of the small market Canadian teams, which we were kind of in the middle of that, uh, were caught in that same thing. Ottawa, Winnipeg, Evan and ourselves were... You know, some of the big market teams in the States or even Toronto or for in Montreal, for example, even in Canada, were, were able to or did, whether they were able to or not, you know, they were able to pay some significant uh, dollars out on players' salaries. And, uh, and uh, you know, I was fortunate to have Brian Sutter and the crew as uh, Rich Preston and Jamie and Al McNeil around me and um, they did a terrific job and uh, we were I think on the on the cusp of having, having something uh, pretty special uh, they're right around the 2000 mark so uh, when, when you took over as interim GM in November so was it then did they if, by your recollection were they interviewing other candidates at the time or looking elsewhere and that stretch from november until the end of the season was kind of your chance to to prove yourself for the full-time job is that is that how it worked or was were you pretty certain that upon getting the interim job that you would remain as general manager at the time no i was anything but certain for sure i mean i i, I kept the uh, title or position of executive vice president uh, of the organization, but no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't sure. Like I, I just, I, I believe, and I, and I see this now every once in a while. That, I mean, if you're interim, you're, you're, it's your job. I mean, it's your job to do what, what you think has to be done. You can't, you can't wait till somebody takes the interim tag off you, and say, oh, okay, well, now, now it's somebody else's right. uh, turn or opportunity. You, you've been given a position, whether it's interim or not, and you're responsible for a certain number of things, and. That's kind of the way I looked at it. That uh, there were some things that needed to change, and um, and I thought that the um, that I had the authority to to be able to do that in consultation with the uh, hockey or with the hockey department of the ownership group, and that's how we proceeded. And whatever would happen thereafter would happen. And uh, but that was out of my control, and I can't even tell you whether they were interviewing other people or not, because I, I, I don't know, to be honest. Mm-hmm. 
So, and, and we're talking to Al Coates, former Flames general manager, getting some perspective on the current GM hire. And, and, and you know, as, as a guy who, as you mentioned, you know, had been with the organization for so long and were a day one member of the Calgary Flames, and then to be hired as general manager and, and you know, they, they, they go internal for that job. And there's a lot of talk right now about potentially the Flames going internal with one of the guys, whether it's Craig Conroy or Brad Pascal. I'm just curious your perspective having been there on the merits of hiring internal and going in that direction and what some of the benefits to doing that might be for the Flames? Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to dodge the question because <laughs> I, I, I think that I think everybody has a lot to offer. I, I think, and I'm, I maybe said this at the outset, I, I think they, in all likelihood, Don is a, Don is a very, very thorough guy, very thorough and I, I don't think there'll be many stones not turned mm-hmm. over to find find what they're looking for, whether it's internal or external. I would think the first thing, or one of the first things they'll do is establish the criteria of what they're looking for. You know, what what hockey looks like today or what the team looks like today or where we are today is not where we're going to be tomorrow or, or six months from now or most certainly a couple of years from now. I mean, we only need to go back in history to look at the, <clears throat> excuse me, the changes that have made, been made in the hockey world. I mean, in my almost 50 years, or well, over 50 years, I've seen so many changes, it's crazy. I mean, back to a 16 league, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, <clears throat> I, I remember when Detroit Red Wings hired a friend of mine from, from Denver who was the very first capologist in the National Hockey League. Well, you know, it was a matter of a year and a half, whatever team had a capologist. And then people were into psychological testing, and everybody was doing psychological testing. And, and now we're into all, all of the data work and analytics, quite frankly. And I think, you know, I think really we, you know, in any business, quite frankly, we, we have to figure out what's coming next. What, what's the next thing that's coming at us, and what do we need to be ready for, and how has the game changed? I mean, clearly the game has gone to speed, and some of the competition for the team is is very quick. So that has to come into play, I think, on on some decision making. But like, like I said at the outset, and like just a minute ago, like I have a lot of time for Don, a lot of time for John Bean, and and I, I'm very confident that they will they will uh, this will be a very thorough process, and they, and they will make the right decision. And uh, that was uh, expertly dodged by you as well. Uh, well done. Um, let me ask you this then. Tell, tell us about having, you talked about Don Maloney a little bit. To have him at the forefront of the general manager search, to have him kind of also there to be that experienced, you know, three, four decades in hockey guy, uh, to, to help a new general manager along, what, what can that do for the Flames to not just have Don Maloney being the guy spearheading this search, but also to be working with whoever the Flames end up hiring? I think whoever it is, I mean, I think, I think, you know, you have different teams. Like you, you have a team in my view, anyways, you have a team like ownership uh, and working with John as president CEO at John Bean. And then John working very closely hand in glove with Don and, and collectively, I, I think that they will make the right choice and the general manager. And it's really important that there's a, that there's some, in my view, at least that there's consistency and compatibility there 
uh, with a futuristic look and and um, and move forward as a group. I mean, uh, you, you, you can't, you just, you know, I don't think you can be successful, quite frankly, without it. it you, you, you have to be compatible. You have to be on the same page. And, and there's going to be all kinds of bumps in the road along the way, but you stay the course because you, you believe in what you believe in. And, and you keep doing it, uh, make some tweaks, make some adjustments as you go along. But uh, by and large, I think everybody, uh, everybody is of one mind and of one philosophy. And here we go. Let's get it done. Al, it's it's uh, it's funny because you mentioned earlier the the Joe Newendike situation and the trade that you made what like a, a month or so into your tenure as general manager back in in 1995. I'm I'm curious with with the perspective you have on that blockbuster trade where the Flames acquired and, and you acquired Jerome Aginla in that deal with Dallas and you know looking at where the Flames are right now and a lot of people uh, believing that there's uh, well they're kind of in a transition phase in a crossroads stage right. Right now in terms of where the organization is going do you see some similarities of where the flames are right now uh going back to when you took over as gm in 1995 well yes and no but it it, it really comes on on understanding what what everybody wants you know um do you want to retool or do you want to tear it down i as from what i see the no intention of a teardown is supplementing. It appears to me, at least, to be supplementing the current current group. Um, um, may, maybe there's uh, some infiltration of some of the uh, young group that have had success so that were up this year or had success, mm-hmm. or are having success with the Wranglers. I don't know, it, but it's 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 really it's something that I can't answer because I'm not in the meetings. And and it's like it's up to them to it's up to them from ownership John Don and then a new general manager to be on in my mind at least to be on the same page and says here here's how we're going to operate and here's what we want next year to look like and the year after and the year after that type of thing and and I think that's what probably is going to happen and um, anyway so what I might do or not do like I. I I didn't really have a choice, right? You know, to, to be to be honest, uh, you know that's that's a long time ago. That's back in 1995, and and it, and it was something that worked out for both teams really really well. Like uh, Dallas won Stanley Cup with Joe Noondike playing a role in it, and Calgary got a really good player for a long long uh, long long time. So it was one of those deals that worked out for both teams, and and. Uh, you know, fortunate for for both sides, but um, it, it was something that, you know, in that particular case, it was uh, it, there. There was some pressure, uh, maybe more pressure that I put on myself, whatever, to to make something happen and to get something done that uh, that I thought, you know, or hoped at least it was going to be able to help the team in the immediate and most certainly in the future. Al Coates is with us, former Flames general manager. Just a few more with Al as uh, we get some perspective on the current GM search for the Calgary Flames. And, and Al, you mentioned a little earlier, you mentioned Brian Sutter's name, and that was that was your big coaching hire in your tenure as general manager. And, you know, Brian came in and, um, and, and coached for a number of years 
I'm just curious, you know, you've made a coaching hire before, you've you've made coaching changes before in that position. One of the first steps that whoever the new general manager is going to be is is to hire a new head coach. I'm just curious your perspective on the importance of that, how you go about that. I know you can't speak necessarily in specifics of of where the Flames or what the Flames are thinking. I'm just curious your perspective though on on going about making that hire and having that be one of the first things on the new GM's play well I'm, I'm going to sound like a broken record here but i'm going to write back and almost repeat what i said about don and john but don in particular is the president of hockey operations and the process that they're going to go through first and foremost to hire the new general manager or a new general manager and, and once that's completed the attention then will turn to who's going to coach this team and and what are we going to look what are we looking for in a coach no different than what they're currently going through, I'm sure, behind closed doors in terms of the criteria, what are we looking for in a new general manager? Once the new general manager is in place, there will be a lot of meetings and probably a lot of interviews uh, on on what they're looking for uh, for the next coach of the Calgary Flames. It's, it, it sounds simple. It's not simple. But it, that's about as simple as it is. It mm-hmm. is People, people getting their heads together and say, well, first of all, first of all, what, what is the criteria? I mean, I, mean I'm, I would have to guess, and I know pretty, I think I know that the, that's going to be the uh, priority. What are we looking for? What kind of a team do we want to have? What, how do we want to play? And uh, who's best suited to make that happen? Before we let you go, Al, and appreciate the perspective today, really do. Um, I know that uh, I know that you're uh, predisposed and got something going on in Ontario right now, so really appreciate the time. But I didn't want to uh, wrap things up without talking about your current role or one of your current roles. You're the current chairman of the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame. You've got the class of 2023 going in uh, in Canmore in July. Tickets still available for the gala. Uh, in, in terms of uh, you've got uh, former Flame Tim. Hunter, uh, former Oiler, Charlie Huddy among the class of 2023. I guess just tell us about the induction ceremonies. Tell us about the class of 2023 and uh, give us uh, a little bit of a synopsis as to how uh, the board came to these decisions. Well, I, I don't know how many dinners you've been at, Pat, <laughs> in, your, in your life. I've been, a lo- I've been at a lot, and I enjoy most, but i, I got to tell you, I, I love this, this what's happened with this ever since we began this process, and I chair the selection committee is what I do, and we have a great committee, and I feel very privileged to be in that position to be able to chair this because we see some, we see some very uh, resounding results, some emotional, very emotional people that get recognized for their work in the province of Alberta. It, it just amazes me every single year when we look at the criteria, here we are, we're back to criteria again, right? <laughs> we look at the criteria of what constitutes somebody that is deserving to be in the Hall of Fame in Alberta, in the Hockey Hall, Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame. And the, the list is long, quite frankly. And, and it's people that, and, and, and it's not just like the Tim Hunter, Calgary's own Tim Hunter and Charlie Hunter, how do you have five Stanley Cups with the Evan and Oilers and, and, and some of the others, if you look at the website, the people that have already been inducted. It's amazing to me to find somebody that has already been in, into the put into the National Hockey League Hall of Fame 
that comes to Canmore and is inducted into the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame because of their roots and because of what they've done in Alberta, what a big deal it is to them and their family. That's what makes it such a special evening. So, and it's a, and it's a mix between people that have volunteered for 40, 50 years, quite frankly, in in the province, or people who have had great results, great careers in one of our two NHL teams within the province. So, you know, like you take Earl Ingerfield, for example, senior that's going in this year. Earl Ingerfield played, I think, 13 years in the National Hockey League. He was the first player selected by the Pittsburgh Penguins in the expansion draft way back in 1967. Coached the New York Islanders, scouted for the Islanders for years and years and years, and was part of that Islander dynasty. That's an Alberton um, guy living in, in Lethbridge, and it's a joy to see how how uh, emotional and appreciative he is of being recognized. And the same thing with, you know, the Evan Chimos that, that are going in a whole decade of excellence in women's hockey. So bottom line is here, and Karen Yost, same thing as a as official and leader and mentor of all the, the people in Canada in the officiating world and the female side of the game and internationally. So I could go on and on and on about the people that we've already put in. And I mentioned some of the people that were already in the, in the NHL Hockey Hall of Fame. And then there's people like Mike Vernon and Theo Fleury that were inducted into the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame for their contributions to hockey in Alberta, who should be, in my estimation, in the NHL Hockey Hall of Fame. But we're glad we got them first. So it's just a, it's a process that I really enjoy being a part of. We've got a great selection committee. We meet two or three times a year. We come up with the list, and then we have the great privilege of making phone calls to those recipients, to those inductees, and tell them, and it's something. It's something to be on the other end of the phone telling somebody that you've been inducted into the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame and then to witness what takes place in the evening at Canmore, uh, July 16th, by the way. Yep. And there are some tickets available, and you can go on the Hockey Hall of Fame, Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame website, and come and have a wonderful, wonderful evening, quite frankly, that doesn't go on forever. That's one <laughs> of the things we're very proud of. We start on time, and we end early, and people can get home or stay, whatever they want. But it's just a, I'm so, so privileged to be involved in it, and thank you for asking. Hey, look, and, uh, that might uh, that, that's a pretty important uh, footnote to the whole thing. Uh, on time, start, end early. That uh, that's another. Uh, you know, I've, uh, you asked me how many dinners I've been to. I've been to a a number, and sometimes they drag. So that uh, that's awesome. And July sixteenth is the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame gala and induction ceremony in Canmore. As Al said, yep. tickets still available on the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame website. Just an easy Google search. Just go type in Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame. It's literally the first thing that comes up on your Google. Uh, Calgary's own Tim Hunter, Charlie Huddy, among many others, part of the class of uh, 2023. Al, I know that uh, we took you away from a dinner on this Thursday night, so uh, we'll let you get back to it. Thanks for uh, giving us some perspective. Thanks for spending some time with us today. That was a lot of fun. Well, I'm better at the Hall of Fame stuff than I was on the perspective. But anyway, I enjoyed it. Thank you. You gave lots of good perspective. Thanks, Al. Really appreciate it, hey? (laughs) All right, Pat. Thanks very much. Thanks for calling. Have a good evening. You as well. Be well. Al Coates. 
former general manager of the Calgary Flames, joining us on Flames Talk to wrap up the hour. And he joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or deliveries available at 403-248-3344.